and welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and joining me covers the Vikings for Sports Illustrated. Will Raggett's making a return appearance. What is up, Will? Uh, you look uh, you look uh, exhausted like you've been up 47 straight hours covering Harbaugh watch. Um, the Vikings broke you in their coaching search and finally landed on Kevin O'Connell. How are you? I'd say that's a fairly uh, fair at, uh, assessment of where things are at, but no, I'm fired up. I haven't been excited this excited to do a podcast with you in a while. We got a lot to to break down. A lot of a lot of very meaningful big picture stuff going on here. I know. And so maybe you could just start off with giving your reaction to how this whole thing played out. Uh, af- uh, after talking with some people this morning, just uh, what I have ascertained is that the Harbaugh side believed that this was much more uh, his job. And the Vikings did not see it that way very much from the start. Not that they were completely out on Harbaugh. You wouldn't fly him in, uh, as I joked on Twitter, just to ask him about khakis. But Harbaugh was telling everybody on the Michigan side, as was reflected by the reporting, that like this was happening. But there was no reporting on the the Vikings side. And, and even when Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter would come out with reports, it was kind of like we don't really see this as necessarily happening until he was actually at the building. And then it seemed like it was gaining momentum that he, that they wouldn't let him leave or whatever else. But uh, ultimately it seemed like Harbaugh got his foot in the door for an interview and they talked and that was not a match. So they went with the guy that they probably would have gone with anyway in Harbaugh, but they caused lots of drama and excitement with the fans. Yeah, no, I I, I was kind of guilty of, of falling victim to that. There was a, a report from a Michigan guy that Harbaugh planning to sign with the Vikings. And um, well, once I actually thought about that a little, I'm like, how, how does this guy know what the Wilfs are thinking? I mean, he doesn't. And there, there's no way to kind of know that nothing could change over the course of, of Wednesday uh, throughout a, a day long interview and all the questions that are going to come up about Harbaugh's time in San Francisco and, and valid concerns that they have. I mean, I, I was super just interested in in this whole idea, this whole possibility, because on the one hand, it's a a candidate like that with a track record that he has at the NFL level, at the college level, uh, but but, but specifically at the NFL level. I mean, that doesn't come around very often. Like the last guy who was available with with a proven winning record like that in the NFL was Andy Reid, probably. And and that worked out pretty well. So with with Harbaugh, you're talking about one of the most well-known coaches uh, of the past couple decades. And I think that just got people really excited about the possibilities and like, Oh, we, we could get, we could get Jim Harbaugh, like the, the former bears quarterback who they didn't even talk to and um, who the dolphins kind of wanted reportedly. But uh, there was also always going to be risks to it for, for a variety of reasons. I mean, Harbaugh is kind of an insane person and, and that can still lead itself to winning football games as he's shown. But, Maybe there would be conflicts uh, with, with with the front office or, or with over roster control or things like that. Or he would just kind of wear on players in a similar way to the way Mike Zimmer did. And, and we'll never know the answers to these now, obviously. Um, but there were also questions about the fit with um, Harbaugh coming in it is a win now move. I mean, I don't think he's going to want to put that 44 and 19 record and, and be OK with going four and 13 this year and getting a good a top draft pick. So uh, me and you have talked about how the, the Vikings 
might need to enter a rebuild. And that might be the smart move that they've been putting off for a couple of years. And I think going with Kevin O'Connell, as we'll get into, maybe makes that more of a, a possibility just because of the ages here. And you're starting with, with a GM and a head coach who are doing this for the first time. And they're, I think they'll be willing to kind of build from the ground up and uh, well, all, all that that entails. But yeah, it, I mean, it was just a whirlwind few days. I remember the uh, report on Saturday came out that they were interviewing him. And then like a couple of days later, he was seemingly the favorite. So it was, it was all happening really fast. And then the, the Adam Schefter bomb that he's going back to Michigan just kind of sent it all crashing down. But now we go forward with, uh, with KOC. Why there was no helicopter over top watching Harbaugh come out of the building and go back to his hotel. Uh, I'll never know. I think a failure of our media. Maybe we don't have helicopters, do we? I mean, we don't have enough traffic to have traffic <laughs> copters. Um, did uh, Side note, did you see the Washington Commander's nickname was broken by a station in D.C. that had a helicopter and they could see in the windows of the building that it said commanders. And that's how no, they knew. I didn't. Yeah, that, that's how they broke the story that that's what the team name was going to be. So we, we weren't able to do that. We weren't able to have helicopters show, um, you know, Harbaugh leaving angrily from TCO Performance Center. But somebody said to me this morning that is uh, fairly in the know that Harbaugh would have completely cut off Quasi's, mm, you know what I'm saying, from the very start. And I think the number one reason to like O'Connell over Harbaugh, if you put all the hype aside, if you put the past record aside is to form a bond between the GM and the head coach to build together. Like that to me, it's hard to beat that if you're making an argument for both sides, because the, the one-sided loves Harbaugh is going to say, but look what he did before. Look what he did in San Francisco. And it's like, right. And look at the San Francisco roster and tell me if this looks like what the Vikings have right now. It doesn't. And th this is not a roster that's ready to go to the NFC championship as the one Harbaugh took over. So what do you have to do? You have to build that roster. You have to build it together. You can't just have Harbaugh take over your franchise and expect to win right away. Like circumstances are different. And I, I ran through a list in an article that I did of all the coaches who teams thought this guy's had success in the past and let's bring him in and he'll just win for us. And it didn't work. That doesn't mean nothing ever works with someone who's a retread. It just means that past results don't guarantee, you know, future success. And I, I think that you're, you're much better off with someone that, okay, people have heard of less Although he's in the Super Bowl, folks, uh, they've heard of less, but is going to be on the same page with the general manager. Yeah, and I, I saw some people in my mentions saying that like Harbaugh is going to come in and oh, Kellen Mond is going to become Colin Kaepernick, and it doesn't it doesn't really work like that. Uh, he's not just going to magically turn uh, certain players on the roster and make them instantly better, like like players that he had in San Francisco. But yeah, I agree with you. I think if you kind of take a step back from just the hype of it all, which I completely got caught up in too. I wrote a bunch of words about Harbaugh and what, what that would mean. The Vikings stated when they were coming into this process that they wanted the collaboration and communication. And um, we were expecting that they would kind of do, do what you do when you're making new hires and go the opposite direction from their previous leaders. And they, they absolutely did that with, with Kwesi. Um Harbaugh would not have been that from Mike Zimmer. He would not have fit that, that collaborative, kind of reset mold. I mean, it would have been, it would have been different. He's not Mike Zimmer, but there are some similarities there in terms of 
just their intense, demanding personalities. And I think O'Connell uh, is a guy who's going to be able to just kind of grow and, and learn and uh, try to build this thing into a, a contending window in a couple of years. And um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fascinating to see uh, how that plays out just this off season and then going into the this season. Um, you ever heard of uh, a concept? Did you ever take philosophy in college? Yeah, I took a, I took a philosophy course or two. Did you ever hear of the original position concept? You could say, uh, you could say no, this was probably, well, I, for you, yeah, this I'm wasn't that sure. long ago. So you should remember this from class. <laughs> uh, so this always stuck with me though. I was paying attention the day they presented this. The original position idea is how would you design something if you knew nothing else of like how things were actually working? So if everything was just all complete reset. So if you completely reset your mind and don't include Harbaugh at all, how would you feel if the Vikings hired Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell, who again is coordinating the offense in the Super Bowl? Like the people who are in my mentions this morning on Twitter upset about Harbaugh. It's like, if you hadn't heard Harbaugh as a part of this, how would you be talking about Kevin O'Connell right now? And I think we know the answer is people would be over the moon that the Vikings hired exactly the guy that so many Vikings fans were talking about in terms of a profile of a coach that you wanted from day one that they fired Zimmer and Spielman. Like he fits, he checks every box that everybody would have wanted. Is he the opposite sort of uh, disposition of Zimmer? Yes. A former player who can understand how a locker room works better from a player perspective. Yes. Offensive guy. Yes. His offense throws to the number one freaking receiver all the time. Yes. Like, can this guy help you pick your next quarterback if that's the route you're going? Yes. Like all those things are the things that you're looking for and works for another coach who's had just insane success in the NFL since taking over the Rams. Like it's really hard to find a downside except for Harbaugh was more exciting for people to talk about. And there's always this too. And we run into this with the cousins debate. If, if you've seen someone do something, it's hard to imagine necessarily what the next person will do. So there are people who want cousins to stay as the quarterback because it's hard to imagine. Well, what if another quarterback comes in, can he have more success than cousins? Right. Uh, I think you run into like, but I know what cousins is and there's a feeling. I know that Harbaugh's had success before, but I think there's a lot of those boxes that don't get checked with Harbaugh that do with O'Connell. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's inherent risks when you make any hire. If, if you're, they would have hired Jim Harbaugh, like I've gone over already, there would have been risks there. There's also risks in not hiring Jim Harbaugh and going with Kevin O'Connell, who is unproven, uh, hasn't been coaching for that long, kind of the, and, and I like a lot of things about Kevin O'Connell, but kind of his resume is like he's coached under Sean McVay for two years. And, and that's a big part of it. And he was a quarterback's coach for a couple teams and uh, he seems really smart and he's also tall. Um, but if it works out with Kevin O'Connell, no one is going to, I mean, we'll look back and laugh at this whole Harbaugh saga and like, Hey, remember that? That was, that was kind of, that was kind of fun. But I mean, if it doesn't work out that, I mean, people will have the hindsight questions like, were the Vikings was was their brass kind of scared to make this move? And um, would would Harbaugh have been the choice and just kind of jumping in with the with the proven option? So I don't know what the answer is. And, and uh, they they made the choice that they felt was best after that whole interview. And uh, and it may well have been a thing where where both sides kind of realized it wasn't the right fit. If, if 
Harbaugh had certain assumptions about what it, what was what type of control he was going to have and what the vision was for the franchise uh, short and long term. And maybe that just didn't match up. But uh, yeah, it, it was an opportunity to bring in a guy who would have instantly had the second best winning percentage among active coaches only behind Matt LaFleur. So uh, it, it's, yeah, it, it, that's, that's what made it such a big topic of discussion. And, and this, this guy is like this rock star head coach. So, uh, but I do agree with you that if you step back and you ask people uh, on January 11th, the day after they, they fired Zimmer and Spielman, all right, the Vikings are getting Kwesi at Mensa and Kevin O'Connell. I think everybody signs up for that right away. I mean, there were periods where like we had to go through Todd Bowles rumors and like Jonathan Gannon, the coordinator of the Eagles, terrible defense. Like there, there were, there were some, uh, some times where people were worried about, about a lot more than missing out on Jim Harbaugh. There is a podcast that never saw the light of day on Todd Bowles. Um, un- unfortunately, my friend who covers the Jets, Joe Caparoso, we did a great show on all the reasons not to hire Todd Bowles. And then that disappeared and that never came out. Um, but yeah, if they had hired Todd Bowles, you talk about uh, the lack of hype. That's what it would have felt like now. But, you know, th- yeah, that the, the thing about um, the Harbaugh decision is it would feel like you know, you bought a Ferrari and you'd have something very shiny and, and super fun to talk about. And and I mentioned that for personal reasons and it's for this way for you too. I mean, the content would have been unreal. So for us, it would have been insane. Um, but, you know, a lot of times it is smarter to buy a truck and uh, have a GPS inside and, and take the slow, steady route than trying to floor it in the NFL. And it feels like the last couple of years, the Vikings have been trying to floor it with a bunch of signings or drafting guys to fill in right away. And it hasn't really worked. Um, So it's really hard for me to say that it would have been the right move when it doesn't check those same boxes. And um, you know, the other thing to, to bring up with Harbaugh is the only other team that's been interested in Harbaugh since he went to Michigan has its owner trying to bribe the coach to tank right so like that's the only other team that has even been rumored and did not interview jim harbaugh so this well, is I think another the Ra- part- i think the raiders, the raiders? were rumored too oh, but rumor. that, right that that's not really a model organization either well that's what i mean like right <laughs> their last head coach had to be fired for sending racist emails like this is my point that okay i get the criticism of like this guy's had success before but no one else has even interviewed Jim Harbaugh. Like this guy is not, doesn't have just a couple red flags. He's wrapped in a red flag. So, you know, I, I, anyway, I'm just seeing, I'm seeing a lot of freak out and I guess I don't quite understand it in comparison to who they landed. If it was Todd Bowles, I would totally get it. Now uh, I've got some questions from fans that are showing up in the Friday mailbag that I think are good discussion topics that I wanted to bring up. Someone asked if uh, the Wilfs, may have been influenced by Twitter and how much uh, reaction was happening to uh, uh, the Harbaugh interview. And, and, I, and of course, you know, I don't know that Mark Wilf is scrolling Twitter. It doesn't seem like the type of guy that is because maybe he would have noticed some things that were going on with the Vikings, with his own team inside the building if he scrolled Twitter more. But do you think that there was any outside influence to this beyond just, hey, man, you're just not really a fit. We'd rather go with Kevin O'Connell. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine there was. Although I was pretty entertained by like half of Vikings Twitter uh, changing their profile picture to some like warped Jim Harbaugh meme face. 
and just constantly showing up in my mentions with ads. So I couldn't tell who anybody was. And I thought it was the same person replying to me over and over, but yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, it, it was just, it was such a crazy cycle of, of hysteria and it's, and it's understandable. Like I've said, like people see this, this shiny toy like that and, and the possibility of it and just, just the story that it would be. And it would, I mean, it would have been the splashiest and, and most surprising bold Vikings move since they got Brett Favre in 2009. And that worked well for that season. I mean, that was just a one year thing, obviously, but yeah, I mean, people, I, I, I was guilty of it too. You see something super flashy and exciting and you're like, Oh, this could work. This could be Jim Harbaugh is taking the Vikings to the Super Bowl. So I, I get the disappointment from fans on that end, but I think the kind of reasoned big picture view of it is that, Hey, you, you gotta just, you gotta trust that the, the owners and the, the, the search committee who I think found a really good GM in, in Kwesi trust that they, they made the right decision to realize that this wasn't a fit. It's better to realize that now than to like have those thoughts in your mind, hire him anyway and have those thoughts be proven when it all burns down in flames in like two years, because it's just not working. Here's another good question. Uh, do we think some of the reason the Vikings went for Kevin O'Connell over Harbaugh's potential disagreement over what to do with Kirk cousins. Now there's no way for us to know that without having actually been in on the interviews. I think that either way they were going with somebody who's a former quarterback, that's one, but the, the only disagreement I could see would be if one of the people thought I can work with Kirk and the other one said, I already worked with Kirk and I can't do that again with um, Kevin O'Connell. It is interesting that O'Connell worked with Cousins as a quarterback coach in Washington in Cousins' worst year where the Washington franchise burned to the ground and at the end, Jay Gruden was publicly blaming Cousins for it. I mean, it is it is kind of interesting that that happened. That doesn't necessarily mean that Kevin O'Connell feels one way or the other. Um, but I do think that it would have been a huge part of the conversation as it pertains to win now versus maybe this is going to take a reset year before you could take the next big step forward. I think that that plays into it of, Hey, should, you know, you keep cousins for another year or should you trade him away right now? And how are you going to do that? Who do you want to draft develop? Like does Jim Harbaugh, want to draft and develop someone or does he just want to show up and have a quarterback? I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I, I, I feel like timeline wise, it is such a, a huge factor between these two candidates. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that uh, is the bigger selling point for Kevin O'Connell is that you can imagine that. I, I mean, people have said like, yeah, Oh, he worked with Kirk cousins for one year in Washington. He's going to want to keep him and extend him. And I don't, I don't think that's true for some of the reasons that you said, like he's seen, what Kirk Cousins can do, that he's, he's an accurate, talented throw of the ball, but he's also seen the bad, particularly in that year where Cousins' stats weren't great. And and I was that the year where, where Jay Gruden had the qu quote where he's like, I can't get guys 30 yards open all the time? Because that's one of my favorite Kirk Cousins-related quotes. Because yeah, it's, it's Jay very, Gruden. It's very true. Yeah, at the end of that season, Jay Gruden said, our record was reflective of our quarterback play, and they went 7-9. Wow. and nine. Wow is yeah. right. I mean, wow, like that I, Jay Gruden has not held back in uh, sharing all the Kirk Cousins dirt since uh, he left Washington. But that was actually yeah. in the press conference after the end of that season. That's what he said about, about Cousins. Now, that doesn't mean that O'Connell feels the exact same way. Sorry to interrupt your point. No, you're good. I, I think my my intuition would be 
that O'Connell and, and Adolfo Mensa aren't going to want to hitch their wagons to Kirk Cousins, a guy who has been a starter in this league for, what, seven years now? And the results from a win-loss standpoint just haven't been there. And so I don't know why you would want to come in and say, like, that meme, like, did it work for those people? No. Could it work for us? Maybe. Like, no, it's not. It's probably not going to work for you. And I, even if you're, the, like, you build this great team and, and Kevin O'Connell is this quarterback whisperer that he may or may not be, I think they're going to want to trade him and handpick their own guy. And 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 Kevin O'Connell will get to draft and, and develop that guy. And um, to me, if, if you're a young quarterback-focused coach, that's a more exciting challenge than coming in and saying, oh, maybe I can be the guy to get 12 wins out of Kirk Cousins, that, which nobody has ever done. So I, I, think, I think the O'Connell hire, to me, probably signals – a, a, a greater chance of trading cousins and maybe going into a slight rebuild for a year or two with a bridge guy uh, or, or the rookie uh, or Kellen Mond than, than Harbaugh would have. Folks want to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. The new year is a great time to focus on what's important to you, whether it's saving money by ordering less takeout, learning to cook, or just prioritizing your wellness. HelloFresh is here to help with endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. HelloFresh offers the flexibility that you need to easily customize your order. You can do that online or with their app. You can easily change your delivery day, your food preferences, your plant size, or you can skip a week whenever you need to. I've had a chance to try HelloFresh, and trust me, it is as easy as it sounds, and they sent me their Cheddar Wonder Burgers, which, look, if you're a football guy, the thing you're ordering is burgers, right? And uh, it was delicious and great, and I didn't have to drive to a fast food restaurant. So HelloFresh has been great for me, and you should check it out. Just go to HelloFresh.com slash Insider16 and use the code Insider16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash Insider16 for up to 16 meals free and three free gifts again hellofresh.com yeah probably not kellen mon but it's probably funny. not kellen there it is there's the meme right on it's my a, phone it's a great it's, meme it's one of my first things that i always have on hand is the arrested development which by the way i've never watched the second part of arrested development but the first part the first what was it two seasons maybe it lasted it was if you've never watched it it's unbelievably funny uh but the the meme is it says well did it work for those people no it never does i mean those people somehow delude themselves into thinking it might but it might work for us <laughs> that that's i mean that's been a lot of things um with kirk cousins in his and career just the vikings yeah in general over the past few years <laughs> right i mean that's signing kirk cousins is like does it work to have a, the 13th best quarterback in the league at the most expensive contract no but it might work for us. <laughs> and then it didn't. And even here, there's a comparison that gets made that I just cannot agree with, which is Stafford going to LA and winning there. Um, I mean, for one, okay, show me your roster and tell me that it looks anything like that. 
uh, with all these pro bowlers all over the field. And I keep bringing this up and I will continue to keep bringing this up. They have the sixth most players that uh, they developed, that they drafted. So their drafts before they started trading everyone um, got a lot of good players, including Cooper Cup out of the third round, by the way. So you need also that the Vikings don't have that. They don't have cap space to go get a bunch of pro bowlers. Like it's a totally different. It, you can't just say, oh, if you can make the most out of like, no, you're actually the Lions. So you can't do that. Um, and but, people will disagree with this, but I still think that while Stafford and Cousins are similarly talented quarterbacks, there's just something about Stafford late in games that Kirk Cousins doesn't have. And I know that's like people will say that's ridiculous. And it's obviously it's not really quantifiable necessarily. actually well it might be the late game stats but i just think there's a certain like clutch aspect that stafford has well the thing about stafford is that he's number one in the nfl uh since 2018 in third down yards per pass attempt and you know i think that that's a big factor that you know people talk about checking down to the fullback i mean that's a real thing that's a real thing that on third downs a lot of times on third downs we know this the teams drop seven or they rush something confusing and create pressure. And a lot of times what you need is to make an off balance throw, fire it into a tight window. Like these are things that just cousins doesn't have the arm for. One of the other things too, is that there's so many straw man arguments with Matt Stafford, where you'll hear nobody gave him credit when he was in Detroit, like, which is the total opposite. I feel like the entire time he was in Detroit to the point where I thought I was taking crazy pills was like, Stafford's great, but the Lions are bad. The ceiling on Stafford was the dude throwing for 5,000 yards before anybody was throwing for 5,000 yards. And I mean, he had seasons where he won and put up huge numbers with his giant arm throwing to great receivers. Like these, this is not somebody who was just a middling quarterback. He was considered a top talent quarterback by most of the league. And then that's come to fruition when he's had this incredible team. I still think the guy will throw away games for you, but it just hasn't mattered in the playoffs because the other team dropped the potential interceptions. That's aside from the point is that if you're trying to make that comparison, it just, I just don't think it works of like, Oh, well he got the most out of Stafford. He'll get the most out of Kirk. Like you're not there in your timeline, you are probably two years from having a roster that would be ready for something like that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And Stafford, the, the Stafford cousins comparison, we don't need to dive into that too far, but it's interesting because Stafford is, will, will make, he'll take a little more risks. And I think that that leads to more like head scratching interceptions. Like we saw against the Vikings with the one he threw right to Anthony Barr, but it also can lead to more big explosive moments. And uh, I think, that's that's kind of what you're hoping for with Kirk Cousins eventually if if he's going to stick around is like just losing a little bit of that fear of of throwing interceptions and just kind of kind of letting it loose a little more and I don't know if that's something that he's ever really going to have in him because just because of the way his brain is wired and the way that he's he's come up and th always thought about the game and thought about the quarterback position and, and what his approach and responsibilities are so um yeah, well, I don't. What were we even? What were we talking about before that? I don't know. Hard to say. Yeah. Uh, let well, me ask uh, you another. Okay, go ahead. Finish your point. I was. I was just going to talk about about Kevin O'Connell, and <laughs> one thing that uh, has kind of stood out to me is just uh, I, I think his approach uh, and his demeanor are going to be helpful for this team, and, and the the collaboration, and I, I think he's going to be able to connect with players, and that's something that we've talked about with various other candidates. Um, like Raheem Morris and, and other just kind of younger people who 
um, like are just going to be able to kind of like get along with, with the players and, and like the, the Brian O'Neill and Eric Hendricks things that they talked about with the culture. And I just think it, that it maybe it won't lead to, to wins uh, right away, but if you have that environment where people are, are, are feel empowered to, to share their thoughts on something or uh, give input on, on a play design and things like that, I just think that's going to be, that's going to be really helpful for this team in the long run. And what we've seen from Los Angeles is that their offense has kind of been a chameleon this year, that it started off a certain way and then defenses adjusted. Stafford had some struggles and then it kind of went back to some of the stuff they were doing with golf. And, you know, they, there's details to the Rams offense that are just hard to explain on a podcast, like route combinations that are common, that defenses understand that they tweak ever so slightly to just throw off the assignments and take advantage. Like this is not exciting stuff, but it's one of the reasons that Cooper cup is open all the time. Other than he's great at football. There's no, I'm not downgrading him, but these are the things that they can do successfully to pump up their quarterback. But your point about uh, the, the relationship with players, the first thing, that I heard about O'Connell because I obviously started asking around anybody that I know that knows anything about him. It sounded very Stefanski ish. Like you remember with Kevin Stefanski, who's uh, what does Patrick Peterson say? Fly at cruising altitude or something like all the things that Mike Zimmer did that frustrated players. That's not who Kevin O'Connell is. Like I, we, the podium sessions with Zimmer could always go one way or the other. I mean, he could dunk on anybody's face at any time. That's going to change. Like we're not going to have a head coach who walks out and slams Kyle Sloter or Anthony Barr or the number of other people or defends a player tweeting and telling the fans to suck it. Like, come on. I mean, you're just not going to get these things. Uh, I think it's going to be a little more professional approach. I don't think Mike Zimmer ever fully understood that people were watching those press conferences. I think that I really think Zimmer felt like he was in that room with us and we were the only ones listening to that and never understood that the whole world is taking this in right like now. People on his team, like his players and other coaches, yes. like if you take a shot at them, they're going to find out about that. <laughs> right. Instantly because they're paying attention and they'll get texts from everybody else. Did you hear what he just said? I don't think he ever really understood that. Kevin O'Connell understanding the landscape, uh, being of kind of an age to be able to connect with players in that way is important. And I think that when you're talking about going a 180 from where you were before, like, yeah, this is an area you needed to go a 180 because it's the year 2022 and you can't treat it like it's the, the old Jerry Burns thing in the media room or whatever. I mean, because these things blow up and, and they end up everywhere and everyone knows about them. When you say I have a bad defense, like people are going to take offense to that and get upset about that. And yeah. when you're hard on players 24 seven, as Jeremiah Searles described on, on the show, like that's going to wear people down. That's not the environment that they have in Los Angeles. I think you want to bring that environment here. Um, another question that I think is a good one is, do we think that the Vikings will keep anyone from their current staff? Now I already know Ryan Ficken is headed to Los Angeles and Andrew Janoco stays within a division. He's getting hired by the Chicago bears. So that's there's, an, that's an underrated loss, I think, because Janoco is coach receivers and QBs and, if Justin Fields becomes really good, there's going to be some finger pointing like, hey, maybe we should have maybe we should have kept that guy. You know? Also, I read that they want to start running the boots and doing the the Shanahan McVay. I mean, Justin Fields, I've always felt if he was a bootleg type of quarterback would be pretty scary. But um, the big question, I guess, is Andre Patterson. But I, 
I don't think anybody stays except for maybe maybe Keenan McArdle. Yeah, I th- I think you'd probably be smart to keep Keenan McArdle. I mean, the, we, we've seen Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and like the whole receiver room came out and kind of voiced their support for him. And I think he did a really good job last year. We saw with, with KJ Osborne had a big season. Uh, I mean, I think Justin Jefferson probably would have had a great season no matter who his wide receivers coach was. But uh, Amir Smith-Marset even showed some some progress over the course of the year that showed up late in the season. Um, maybe O'Connell's going to have a guy he has in mind for that. And it, the, I'm sure people will will move on and it, it would be fine. But I can see just kind of wanting to to keep your, the face of your franchise happy, like Justin Jefferson and, and Keenan McArdle have a really strong relationship. So that's that's when I could see Andre Patterson is an interesting case because, like, would he go back from – being a co-defensive coordinator to just being a defensive line coach. I, I don't know. Maybe if, if he wanted to stick around and not uh, have to relocate himself. I don't know. I, I don't know if that would even be an option. A couple others that I'll mention just as like possibilities would be Phil Rauscher, uh, who overlapped with Kevin O'Connell in Washington, if I'm not mm. mistaken, um, under Bill Callahan, uh, and who I think they should keep just because he's super entertaining and um, when I was showed up at training camp and had an injury on my head last year, he like noticed and asked me about it. So I like Phil Rauscher a lot because of that. Um, Carl Scott, I thought did a good job as, as the DBs coach. He, I mean, he's been here for a year. He's probably not staying, but I'm just throwing out some names that like Kevin O'Connell could come in and say, Oh, like maybe we keep that guy. Um, Kennedy Palomalo, the running backs coach has been around forever and he's really close with Dalvin cook. Um, I don't know. I think I think Keenan McArdle has the best odds. It probably won't be won't be many, and they're already they're already losing coaches left and right over the last twenty four hours. Folks, we've got an even better offer to tell you about from Soda Stick. If you use the promo code Purple Insider, one word, you can get fifteen percent off your purchase. That's right at SodaStick.com, your place for Minnesota sports inspired apparel. You can get. 15% off just by using the code Purple Insider. I've told you about all the great football designs, but they've added a few more, including the Axe is Back for Minnesota football fans. You can get that on a shirt, on a hat, and also Randy Moss is the GOAT, the Purple People Eaters, Bud Grant designs for the old school fan, plus the hockey and basketball teams are both actually exciting this year, and Soda Stick has you covered there as well. Go to sodastick.com. That is S O T A. S T I C K dot com and use the code purple insider for 15% off. I think Kennedy Palomalu is really good at his job um, that he's not a guy that anybody knows. He's not a self promoter. He's a pretty understated guy. Um, I've interviewed him a few times. He's got a great attitude, but he is picking good running backs out of the draft left and right. And, uh, you know, of course I'm not going to give him all the credit for Delvin cook or anything because Delvin cook was insanely talented as a first round, uh, level talent, but, um, you know, Ken a Wong Wu, Alexander Madison has turned out to be a good player. And I feel like they're really good at that position. I mean, I don't know. You can pick your own guys if you want to. It's just that if anybody on the staff has an impact that we could sort of grasp onto, it's probably, him. I mean, Keenan McCardle, look, the, the thing you need to do if you're the receivers coach is just be boys with Justin Jefferson. Like that's, that's your deal. That's your job. Je- yeah. Can, can you say to Justin Jefferson, Hey, let me help you out with whatever you need. Can I get you some coffee? Can I teach you a route? Like <laughs> what, what, what do you need? You want to hang out, play video games? Let's do it. Um, and Keenan McCardle has that kind of 
I played in the league. I, I know all the stuff that mentor type attitude, I think that you really like um, Rauscher. I don't know. I mean, are we supposed to grade it by how the offensive line played? Because what, I mean, was he supposed to make Oli Udo into Will Shields? Like I don't Alan Fanica. I don't think so. So I don't, I don't know, but yeah, that crossover is kind of interesting. Um, the, on the defensive side though, I know that people really love Andre Patterson and Andre Patterson is a really good person who I think is good at coaching defensive line, but I think you want to hire a defensive coordinator that wants things done his way and not necessarily Andre Patterson slash Mike Zimmer's way. Patterson has always been teaching the Mike Zimmer way of pass rushing and everything else. Um, I think you just want to totally reset on the defense, especially after the last two years have been really poor i think that's fair yeah it, it would that would be like kind of keeping one of the the biggest links to the mike zimmer era is like one of mike zimmer's good friends who they like you said they teach the same way and they have the same ideas of what they want in in their personnel and their scheme and things like that so yeah that that probably makes makes sense to just kind of revamp that i will say one one good thing about kevin o'connell is that he does not have any family members that he's going to be able to hire <laughs> to his staff because he's 36 <laughs> years old and I don't think he's hiring I, I, on his Wikipedia page. It says his dad is a former FBI uh, yes. worker. Yeah. So I don't think he's coming in to coach uh, cornerbacks or anything like that. But uh, if, if they would have hired Jim Harbaugh, he probably would have brought his, his, his son Jay Harbaugh to be like the special teams coordinator or something. So um, in that regard, Kevin O'Connell, great hire. Is it, it's John Gruden's son who was like the yoked strength coach or something yeah, from the Raiders. So. Yeah, I think, and we talk about trying to reverse all of the bad things about Zimmer and like, look, hiring friends and family was not beneficial to them. They got worse the more friends and family that they put in prominent positions. Although congratulations to Clint Kubiak going to Denver where he'll coach Aaron Rodgers, I guess. Um, maybe, right. Uh, th that's a real quick question as we just sort of bounce around here is do, do you think Clint Kubiak was bad at his job or that Mike Zimmer is just so tyrannical that it made Clint nervous or made his job more difficult where he couldn't call the plays he wanted to play? Like give it like per percentage that for me. Yeah, I think it's, oh man. I do think it's both. I, I just, I'm trying to decide which one I want to give more than 50%. I, I think it's, I'll go like 60% Clint Kubiak wasn't very good at it. And I'll go 40% like working under Mike Zimmer. It sounds like kind of a nightmare. Um, there were just, at first I, that I was leaning towards, it was like the Zimmer thing and, oh, we got to run the football and, and all this. But then the more I watched throughout the year and like these route concepts where like it's, third down and they're sending a blitz and there's like all these long developing routes. And I'm like, what are you like, what are you doing? Like, this doesn't make a lot of sense. So I, I do think it was, it was both, but I will be very curious to see if, if they get Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, or I don't, I don't know who, um, or Kirk cousins. Um, and if, if Clint kind of gets back onto the path of becoming an offensive coordinator again, maybe becoming a, a coaching candidate, uh, head coach candidate, I don't know if that's how it'll play out, but um, good for him getting to getting to go go back home and uh, probably end up working with a good quarterback. You would I would think, or maybe think, Drew Locke. Well, I think oh yeah, uh, I think <laughs> at the beginning of the season, 
he just didn't know how to adapt during a game, which is incredibly difficult, by the way. Like one of the things I remember I talked with Steve Beerline about Gary Kubiak, 90s fans, you're welcome for all of that sentence. But like one of the things Beerline said was Gary Kubiak was crazy good at watching how the defense reacted to things that he called and remembering it. And then later in the game, taking advantage of it. Like, okay, so we ran this play action or this run look, and here's what this safety did. And it might be something as small as took a step in one direction, but Kubiak knew like, okay, if he's playing that this way, I could take advantage of that later. That's an art form that takes years. And that's why it never really made sense to hire someone that was so inexperienced. Like with Kevin O'Connell, his inexperience right now, I think is fine. I don't think it's something you're terrified of. Oh, he doesn't know how to head coach. Like, well, that's it's all right because I don't think you're you're raising a Lombardi next year. So figure it out with you and Adolfo Mensa. Both of you learn on the job and figure things out. With Kubiak, it was, hey, everyone's about to get fired here, but like, can you just like have the most pressure from your head coach of anyone in the league and do this job for the first time? Yeah, go ahead. From the very beginning where Zimmer said, no, I sent him up to the booth, not on the sideline. We're like, okay, then this is not Clint Kubiak's offense. This is Mike Zimmer's. And the final straw being we needed to run the ball more down 20 to three against the Packers. Like, okay. I mean, I think, yeah, I would go 64. I I feel like 40 is giving a ton of a, a ton to that angle, but I also think it's really hard to do your job. Like if you had an editor that every article you wrote was like, why didn't you write about running the ball more? Why didn't you write about this? Why didn't you write about that? It would be hard. You'd be afraid to turn in an article because they, you'd be like, what? Start getting in your head, yeah. Right, exactly. It starts getting in your head. I think that that did happen to him. I've heard other people say that they think he's got real potential, but uh, this was just a bad situation. Yeah, and let's get back to Kevin O'Connell. I want to address something that a lot of people say to me um, that is just like kind of a basic level criticism of him and, and or the hire, and it's that, Oh, he doesn't call plays in, in McVeigh calls the plays. So what is this guy? Like, why is he even a candidate? And I think that's just such a, like, I don't know if people understand being an offensive coordinator is about so much more than just calling plays. Like he doesn't even necessarily have to call plays in Minnesota. If he doesn't want to, I assume he will um, because he's an offensive guy and whatever, but he can hire an offensive coordinator to do that. Like what, what he is from what I've read is he's, a really, really great scheme guy and the the designing of plays and then the installment of those plays in practice and in meetings and, and the, just the general scheme. And he's bringing this whole knowledge of the Sean McVay scheme that's so successful. And I think people should be excited about that just from, from what we know about him. And I think they're going to go to more like 11 personnel, which the Rams run super heavily. And um, maybe that's not good news for CJ Ham or Tyler Conklin or whatever, but I think there probably needs to be more of that and and kind of a modernization of the Vikings offense and their passing attack. So, um, I mean, you look at Zach Taylor, who's coaching in the Super Bowl. He didn't call plays under McVay before he got hired. Um, I think Matt LaFleur had a little bit of play calling experience when he got hired with the Packers, but I I mean, it wasn't a ton. Like it's, it's this coaching tree has been very successful. Kevin O'Connell from by all accounts is a really, really bright guy. I don't want to, sound like I'm saying like, oh, this is the greatest hire of all time. Like there are risks with a guy with his limited resume who um, hasn't been around the league for that long. But uh, I just think that the the criticism of he doesn't call plays uh, is 
kind of simplifying it too much. And I, I think that's not going to be a barrier to him becoming a successful play caller. As it pertains to talking about O'Connell as the best candidate to hire here, I feel like all it is is us staying on the same track that we would have been the last time we talked about what they needed, right? As you know, where you could get off track with a bunch of different things uh, like the Harbaugh situation, but um, realistically, these were the things we were talking about them needing. And when it comes to a play caller, it's sort of now I understand why people wouldn't understand this because I didn't until I asked one. So uh, there's a guy named AJ Smith who coached in the XFL worked with June Jones that I had on the show once um, to talk about play calling and like how we criticize play calling and when it's right, and when it's wrong, criticize play calling. And what he said is as a staff, you formulate the game plan and you have plays for all the different situations, and that's how you put them in in practice. Now, there are definitely spots where you're going to hear about, hey, Doug Peterson called Philly special when they had never practiced it before. They drew this one up in the dirt on the sideline. You're, you're going to hear that, and that will have – they pulled out a play from six months ago, and we all had to remember it. Okay, you're going to hear that. For the most part, the play card has the game plan developed from the head coach to the offensive coordinator to the quarterback coach to the offensive line coach. Like, they all – formulate the game plan together and then in every situation the play caller is picking from those plays those couple of plays for each situation that they want in fact bruce arians in his book wrote about uh, uh the third downs that i think it was every thursday night he got together with carson palmer or peyton manning whoever he was working with andrew luck and they watched tape and they picked out he would give them like 20 plays for a third down and the quarterback would pick out his favorite 10 like, so the play caller is calling one of the quarterback's favorite plays for third down and 10. So we can go at least the, the way it's supposed to work. I have no idea how it was working with Kirk, but if it's working the right way, the play caller is a function of the offensive mind who's setting forth the game plan. And the other thing too, I think it's really the head coach is about leadership and about operating an entire organization. You are now the front door, Kevin O'Connell. And that's where, that's where we don't know will we we don't know how someone handles that i've said that about quasi too we don't know how you handle it we know how you handle it when you're the football researcher sure when your team loses three in a row how do you handle it when everyone's looking at you going what, what's going on here what, why are we losing these games or why isn't this draft pick working out or everything else i think that's the thing that kevin o'connell is not prepared for as no one would be as a first-time coach the play calling thing it, it doesn't mean a thing to me yeah no, it, totally. I mean, yeah, he's got to kind of come in and, and coach the entire roster and, and have a relationship with the defensive staff and the defensive players and um, all the little things that go into being like game management. We don't know how how he's how he's going to use his timeouts and his challenges. And uh, I mean, that's kind of that's a that's kind of a minor aspect, although it's a very front facing one. But uh, yeah, I, just, I think like. If, if you go back to when the Vikings set out on this, on this search that we, that we've talked about this, like they got their offensive guy and, and a lot of fans wanted that. And what that means is he's going to have a relationship with the quarterback, whether it's Kirk cousins, whether it's a guy he brings in and develops, he's going to have a really good relationship. It's not going to take three and a half years for them to start watching film together. That's <laughs> right, going yeah, right. to be happening right away. And they're right. going to have conversations. And I think there's just, just that relationship is going to be really meaningful. And, at the same time, he's going to like del he's going to have these, these other coaches on his offensive staff that are going to come together and they're going to build the game plans together. And they're going to uh, it's, it's not just going to be him from the, the offensive perspective, but you're also not going to lose your, 
your your lead offensive mind every year to a head coaching promotion or being fired or uh, resigning or uh, have I covered all the ones that happened under Mike Zimmer? I, I think so. Um, so yeah, that just, just that continuity uh, on the offensive side of the ball, which is important, is going to be big. The relationships with the quarterback, obviously, they have to make the right choice at quarterback, which personally I don't think is extending Kirk Cousins. I think you got to find it. You got to try to find a guy in the draft, whether it's this year or next year. And that's that quarterback is, is going to more or less make or break the, the O'Connell and Adolfo Mensa tenures. But yeah, can he, can he do the job? Can both of them do the job and lead uh, in this new role that they've never been in? That's what, that's what we're going to find out. But from what we know about both of their pasts and, and just their, their interpersonal skills and how they get along with people and um, what they, what they've done in previous stops, I think there are a lot of reasons to to be excited and to think that that this could work. You think uh, O'Connell will be showing up with a ring on his finger? Um, like logically, I do, but I just can't. I can't quit Joe Burrow. That dude is just. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just magical. Like he, he he got sacked freaking nine times against the Titans, and I, I've I've picked them in this like picks league I've done. Every game, so I, I just keep picking them. And so I think I'm probably going to do it again because, I mean, that dude is the definition of, like, elevating people around him. And just no matter no matter what the situation is, like, your offensive line, they're all dead. Like, your, your team, you're in a bad situation. You're down 21-3 to to freaking Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They, they – I have to imagine they never feel like they're out of it with Joe mm-hmm. Burrow. Like, he's just the – he's just the Joe cool – like, he's just – I don't know. So I, I think the Bengals win. It's always possible that their defensive backs catch the interceptions. That is, that is always possible. And so I'm, I'm, I have prepared myself mentally already for three Stafford picks Bengals win the Super Bowl, And then everyone says, great. Now we hired the loser that only put up seven points in the Super Bowl. should have gone Harbaugh. So, well, you know, that's just, that would be very Vikingsy. Well, Well, another thing, uh, another thing I saw was, Kevin O'Connell is the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl and he's going to say, uh, Hey, I like winning like this. Why would I go to Minnesota? <laughs> I'm going to stay here. Screw you guys. And then they're going to end up with like, they're going to have to completely pivot. And I understand why Vikings fans feel scarred in a lot of ways by the on field results and by the whole Jim Harbaugh thing. But uh, that's, that's not, that's not going to happen. That is indeed absolutely not going to happen. One of the reasons is Kevin O'Connell, if you live in LA and you make offensive coordinator money, you're like not rich. You live in like an average little house. You get stuck in traffic constantly. If you live in Minnesota and you make head coaching money, you can live anywhere you want, buddy. You, you can, um, you can buy a snowmobile to go wherever you like in the winter. And uh, you can have a ranch in Kentucky. If you want, you build a whole farm with a hot tub as Mike Zimmer once told us about. So uh, yeah, I think he'll be coming to be the head coach. You get how many opportunities in your life do you get to be a head coach? Yeah. You have to take them. So anyway, uh, follow Will on Twitter. Great follow at Will Raggett's R-A-G-A-T-Z and SI.com is where your work is located. Always great to get together, man. Uh, appreciate the time.